Good morning and welcome to AI Daily. We have a few banger stories for you today. Some things about the world of Mechanical Turk, our friends over in the EU Parliament, and some actual AI news around some cool multimodal stuff that's happening. Uh, let's start with that one. Uh, there is a new paper discussing, you know, turning video and audio into text and understanding video and audio better called Video Llama. Connor, can you tell us a little bit about it and, you know, why you think this particular paper is important? Obviously, there's, there's lots of this type of stuff going on with uh, video to text, audio to text, pictures to text. Uh, what did you find interesting about this paper in particular? Yeah, they had a demo of how, like, really accurately and how well predicts and understands a video with both the images in the video and the audio itself of the video. So they, they tackled two main challenges here that they highlight, capturing the temporal changes in video scenes and integrating both the audio and the visual signal changes. Um, so the first challenge, they make a video cue former, which assembles a pre-trained image encoder uh, with the rest of the video and pipelines all that together. And then for the second challenge, they use image bind or from our friends over at Meta and get both the audio and the video to integrate that together. And the final output of it is a very well understanding. This is like a, almost like a clip for videos. We talked about clip before of how well it understands an image. And then this, you give it an entire video and understands how someone's talking, what they're saying, how their facial expressions are moving as they talk. Very powerful model that I'm very excited to see it used. Is it available today? Can I take over the world with it today? Or will I have to wait to take over the world with it? I don't believe it's open source. I think it's just a research paper. So we'll see. Okay. We don't even know. Maybe ChatGPT wrote it. We don't, we don't know anymore. It's another cool example of, you know, like what we've talked about repeatedly using other AI tools to make your AI tool better and more understanding. Ethan, what did you take away from it? Uh, yeah, one of the big takeaways I saw was they're actually leveraging image binds. You know, we've talked about image bind from Meta before, this kind of multimodal um, embedding model. So they're leveraging image bind. They put in audio cue on top of it um, to understand audio a little bit better from the embedding side as well. But main thing is, you know, we've seen audio transformers and image transformers. Can you describe this? Video is inherently multimodal. Um, at the end of the day, you need to to fully understand a video. What's what do you see? What do you hear? How are the scenes transitioning? But also, what are they saying or what's going on? Is there music in the background? So it's an inherently multimodal problem. And ImageBind does it fairly well, but they showed a really cool way to add some more audio transformers on top and truly highly accurately describe the entire video. So they have some really cool examples. Um, we'll, of course, put them in the show notes below, but check it out. Um, some of it's open source, um, I believe, but it is just a paper. Um, of course, you know, ImageBind is open source. You can recreate this yourself, um, not too difficult. So it's cool. If you want to understand video, uh, Video Llama is like a really easy way to do it. When will we be able to just take our, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I'm very curious if the iJepo we saw from yesterday, which is also open source, how it will be applied to something like this. Because video, video does require a lot more abstract concepts to link the audio to the images to facial expressions to what they're saying so i think the abstract conceptualization of ijep we talked about yesterday could probably tackle this even better when will we be able to just write a paper and then give our paper to you know gpt and be like can you just write the code for me here's the paper i'd like the code for it why are we writing the paper at that point why are we even writing the paper why are we even here i the one limitation that they that they mentioned which is you know a limitation we're going to probably be hearing about in some ways or another f forever was just that 
you know, not enough GPUs, don't have enough, don't have enough money, not enough computation on planet earth to do a video that's more than probably a few seconds long, right? You can't, you can't feed this, the, uh, director's cut of Lord of the Rings trilogy, which, you know, I think comes in at around 12 hours total of, uh, of movies and expect it to do anything with it. There, there may actually not be enough computation <laughs> to do that in any reasonable amount of time. So, you know, we're going to be hearing that as the, as you know, eventually it'll be like, oh, well, you can do 10 hours of video, but you, you can't do a thousand hours of video. So sorry, we can't apply this to the entire corpus of YouTube overnight, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. I, I thought it was pretty cool to see this stuff. Their, their demo is, is really well done. I thought, yeah. I thought they, did, they did a bang up job on that. Right. On to our next story, which is, uh, you know, not necessarily a piece of tech so much as people have uh, started digging into how folks are using LLMs out in the real world. And in this example, it's, it's Mechanical Turk. They did a little study here and found that somewhere, you know, 36 to 44 percent or something like that of Mechanical Turk tasks of a very specific kind of Mechanical Turk task, task uh, text summarization, they, they found that, you know, Almost uh, somewhere between a third and a half of it was being done by ChatGPT or other LLMs, uh, not by by actual humans. Ethan, what what did you get from this? Yeah, you you know this is a I think this entire story is a hunch people have had for a little bit, but it touches on some actually kind of really important points for the space in general. Number one, you know these models, as everyone knows, are really good at doing these tasks. Uh, so number one, you're seeing the displacement of a lot of mechanical Turk jobs. You're seeing just GPT four. And even companies saying, hey, we're not going to hire all these people. We're just going to use these synthetic models and classify and summarize and all of that. But it touches on two other really important points is one is that real data is getting much harder to get. So when you're training these larger models, as we get to GPT-5 and GPT-6, there's going to be a lot of synthetic data in there. And people are worried about its effectments on alignments, on its effects on especially the sciences, because you need a lot of real just human data of what's happening in the world versus this synthetic data. So it's a really grounded paper on actually, you know, factually what is happening. So as people look to train more and more models, you're going to have a lot of synthetic just trash in there. Um, and these are going to have to be filtered. And when it comes to filtering, another really cool point of this paper was that these generalist models that are saying, hey, we can detect if this is GPT-4 generated. They're not that effective. What they had to do was train a classifier just for this example of these like summarizing for these mechanical Turk jobs. And that's the only way they could accurately predict, hey, was this a real person or was this synthetically generated? They had to track your keystrokes, it seems yeah. like, to see if it was a, you know, forget forget your fancy LLM analysis tool yeah. or just straight up tracking your keystrokes and being like, that ain't a human, buddy. Yeah. Um, this guy wrote this guy wrote a summary without typing on the keys, which is impressive. But I'm guessing they didn't actually write the summary. So, Econ, what did what did you take away from it? Yeah, this has some interesting ramifications for the future of training data and how good our LLMs can really be in the future. Because a good analogy I've seen is that like a picture on your phone. If you take a screenshot of it and take a screenshot of that, take a screenshot, a screenshot, a screenshot over and over, eventually you lose a lot of the original data and you even get artifacts in the image that you didn't think were possible to get artifacts of. And as more of our core human data, like Mechanical Turk, gets replaced by AIs, we may see a lot of the same thing happen with our LLMs, that they get artifacts, they get damaged in ways we didn't see coming. And it's a little bit worrying of how good our LLMs can be if 
these core data sources are damaged. You know, I, I always say that the world seems like it's falling apart to adults and it's chaos and who knows the world may end. But for young people, for kids, you know, teenagers, they think the world is normal because that's all they've ever known. You know, when you're when you're born into a reality, you think that's normal reality. You don't understand that for everybody who's 50 or 60 years old, this seems like absolute insanity and chaos and the world is changing too quickly. And I I can't even quite yet get my head wrapped around it in this context where, you know, people being born today in 10, 15 years from now, they're just going to think a that a world where we don't know what data is synthetic and what data is real is just a normal world. And they'll have ways of dealing with it. And sure, there'll be lots of things like, you know, I don't know, maybe, key, you know, you, you think about taking these uh, online tests where they're proctored and they're like doing key, keystroke tracking and they're, they've got your camera on and it's like, okay, they're going to have to add, you know, five other, you're going to have to like have your you know, a needle in your arm so that they can see that there's real blood coming out of the person taking the test because otherwise, you know, you can you can spoof the video and you can spoof every other aspect of it. You know, can you spoof the uh, the blood test that's that's coming with your your proctoring? So it'll be interesting. You know, I think in the end, we're going to live in a world where, you know, that we're seeing the virtual world and the real world m melt into one another. Uh, and then we can dig into all of the we're living in a simulation arguments anyways so maybe that's already happening on to our last and final story the folks at the the eu parliament uh never lacking time on their hands to regulate things and then also one thing i read and this is an article about the eu parliament has started you know their first step in ai regulation nobody knows what that means including them it seems in a lot of cases, to me, the stuff that they talk about seems like they should be covered under other laws. You know, if you have these data privacy laws, I don't know, why do you need the AI version of the same data privacy law? And it also brings up a lot of stuff where, you know, these folks that are, you know, politicians and legislators and people that are, you know, bureaucrats that are doing this stuff, you know, they, they come into the job, they... They want to pass a bunch of stuff so they they look good and they can go on and level up their career onto the next thing. Uh, and they sort of like leave a mess of legislation behind them for somebody else to clear up. And I even read something in the article where I think it was a, some U.S. legislator was talking about like, we're not going to let them create more legislation than us. We're going to outcompete them in the amount of legislation that we're going to create around this, which just seems like a, a strange position to take, wanting to be the ultimate uh, regulator here. Uh, Connor, what, what did you get from it? Yeah, I mean, as any legislator says, they said, oh, we've made history today. Um, yeah. The classic thing we see at the EU, more regulation. In some ways, it's good. Of course, GDPR did some good things for privacy, but also did some annoying things, cookie banners. And I'm I'm assuming AI will end up the same way. Some good things, some annoying things. I hope that's the best and the worst of what we get. Um, but they are going very serious and very hard in AI regulation. So it remains to be seen. M makes me think of this, the, the Hugging Face article that we covered yesterday. I think at the bottom of the article, if you read it, it's, it's yeah. said, I don't know, they're even joking. They're like, this, was, this article was 100% not written by ChatGPT. So, you know, is that they're getting ahead of the EU regulation. Nice work, hugging face. Ethan, did you get anything out of this? What, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, 
we, we don't have to cover the entire act now, but they actually have a bunch of stuff in there about what's allowed, what's not, transparency requirements for these systems, making sure you're disclosing this was AI generated. And if this actually gets passed and gets trickled to the US, I think it's important for small players to keep an eye on this. Like, are you going to be allowed to train these? What are you, you have to hire a compliance team for your startup just to make sure you're with all this. And they're moving fast on this at the end of the day. So they want to get this through by the end of this year. And if it does, it would go into act in 2026, which on one hand is very fast. But on the other hand, I think we see, you know, especially the big tech giants just kind of letting them talk and roll along. And they're saying, hey, yeah, we'll we'll look at it. And yeah, yeah, there might be some more fine tuned details we're going to have to do. So I think they're letting the regulators, you know, put a bunch of comprehensive reform together. But there's so many details that just aren't worked out yet. They're going to have to convince the rest of the EU member states to agree. You know, you're going to have a lot of lobbying from the big tech companies and venture capitalists, et cetera. But there's some real details in here that even if slivers of this get passed, you know, if you're a startup doing AI generated content and you're in the EU and you're not putting we're AI generated at the bottom, then be ready for some fines. So as this gets more fine tuned more, I imagine we'll talk about it more and actually tell you what you should look out for because they care about it and it's coming. I'll go out on a limb and say this is not like regulating the early web. The early web is essentially a flat technology. You have web pages. You go to the web page. There's some content on there. Okay, yeah, we don't want the web page tracking everything you're doing and stuff like that. But that was a relatively flat type of technology that was understood. And, you know, it's like they didn't. Regulators didn't come in when the internet was being developed in the 60s and 70s and get their hands in on all of this and be like, oh, no, we don't we don't think these packets should be sent this way. Uh, you should um, send them send them this way instead. And I think they may be making a miscalculation, especially when this is such a global and open source phenomenon. If they want to, you know, hamstring themselves, uh, other countries may not do that. And, you know, they may end up falling behind on what their regions are able to do with AI because other regions that don't want to regulate it this way advance more quickly. And this is a this is a base level of technology that we're developing here, like like language or the written word or the spoken word. It's um, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I don't think this is as easy as, you know, email legislation or, you know, cookie legislation. No, it's super tough, but I, I will give props to them. You know, one of the things in there is, and they're like unapproved systems. They don't want anyone in the EU deploying these like social score systems, predictive policing systems, these real-time facial recognition systems, these things, you know, the really clear things that I think the Western states don't like that we're seeing out of China with AI, they're putting that in there. So as Connor said, there's some good and bad. It's messy, but it should be talked about. But to be fair, you can, you know, legislate those things without it having to do with AI. Don't do facial recognition. It's not doesn't have to be AI, AI related. And, you know, maybe they're just kind of saying the AI stuff to get some attention. And it's a good piece of, you know, not tracking people's faces is, is, is a thing that, you know, in our society, people people want. And whether it's related to AI or not it, it is not so much the issue. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's not to be too long winded in this episode. Let's move on. What are you all seeing here, Connor? What's uh, what's new? Yeah, to talk about Vercel again, Vercel announced today they have an AI SDK. Uh, so, of course, Vercel is very a great place to deploy applications, to write your back end for AI, to write your front end. Uh, main thing there is streaming. So, of course, in ChatGPT, when it brings the whole output over time, that's because it's streaming live from OpenAI. 
through another server, and then finally through your browser. So Vercel's AI SDK is basically a better wrapper around that to use OpenAI's or Hugging Face and a few others uh, to use their SDKs better. So very nice, good developer experience, as always. You seen anything cool, Ethan? Um, nothing crazy today, but I just saw Aaron Bali, you know, he, uh, CEO of Carbon Health, just kind of tweeted just their strategy on AI, which was, you know, they're in the healthcare space and they're saying, hey, we're, we're exclusively using AI for clerical work. We're not doing any clinical work. And I think it just kind of touches on where a lot of startups are like hitting some walls right now and saying, hey, we're just going to make LLMs work on the administration side, improve some efficiencies, et cetera. But touches on the broader perspective that someday someone is going to come with an amazing consumer clinical healthcare application that I think is going to reshape the way healthcare is delivered. But for now, there's still so many gains just on an administrative side. So it was a comment, you know, I, I like the healthcare space. So it was a comment he made that just kind of interested me. I, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who uh, is pretty, pretty deep in the world of AI and, and gen AI and just generative media over at one of the, one of the big, big tech companies. And, uh, we were talking about, you know, the ability to regenerate your likeness and varying levels of accuracy. And it just kind of made me realize that uh, generative AI is getting so good at recreating your likeness that you will probably hate it, uh, which is an interesting. I like that tweet. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Oh, it, but it makes you think it's like, oh, OK, that's uh, that looks a little too much like me. Can you back it off a little? Yeah. And, you know. Maybe pretty me up a pretty me up a bit because um, I don't you know I don't want that the aspect of my my accuracy being being shared and it just kind of makes you think like okay well why make the technology that good if people want to back off of it it's, it's just an interesting interesting world we're interesting time it's the exact plot of the Silicon Valley episode right he like upgraded the like video conferencing and then the girl was oh like, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I try not to watch that show too much. It hits a little too close to home. And then like, I don't, you know, when I'm fundraising and then there's an episode about fundraising, I, I've literally had to turn the episodes off in the middle of them because I'm like, okay, I, ca I can't deal with this right now. This is a little <laughs> bit weird, weird stuff. It was a great show though. A great show. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today on, I think maybe our longest episode ever. Uh, which is to say, if you made it this far, thank you for watching and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace, guys. Peace, guys.